0: Our next guest here on Mercier and crew is somebody who joins us each and every week to talk about some of the big storylines coming out of the world of football. Of course, it's the day after the Grey Cup, so that is going to be where our focus lies. And he is a Grey Cup champion, so he knows a thing or two about this particular game and what it means to win and compete in it. Uh, We say good afternoon to our good friend Gabe Robinson. Gabe, thank you so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. So when you get set to watch the Grey Cup, Does it always kind of bring back a little bit in the way of memories from what you went through back in 2004?
1: Oh, it certainly does. It you know it, it brings up a bunch of stuff. I'm uh, you sort of get a little excited. You you have a sort of sense that what the guys are going through and what they've been up up against for the whole week. You've lived that. You've you've been in it. You've, you spend all those kind of aimless hours at the hotel just waiting for the big day to happen. You spend all that energy uh, before the day, sort of waiting out that long day that just won't end, waiting for the game. Um, And of course, uh, you know, you you see all of that pageantry and all that excitement and you know, as a spectator, all you have to do is enjoy yourself. But in the back of your mind, of course, you remember those moments where your heart was beating a little extra fast and and you were just trying to keep your mind focused on the thing that got you there as opposed to all of this extra special stuff.
0: What was it like to stand down on the sidelines for a Grey Cup game?
1: It was was really exciting. I mean, uh, a couple things that came to mind was um, nobody warns you about those Jets that fly over overhead, um so I remember we were, we go through warm up and i'd I'd come out with sleeves on, and I of course took those off because I felt as a Canadian I had to be bare armed uh we were playing in Ottawa, and it was a pretty cool night um and then all of the stuff happens the the warm up and everything goes on, and we're getting ready to play, and then these giant military planes fly over the sea- over the stadium and, uh, man, it's like all the thunder you've ever heard in your life, and you're you sort of you just not ready for it because you're, you're focused on playing a football game, and maybe they tell the people that, you know, get ready, here comes the planes, but, I mean, I nearly jumped out of my skin. I felt like I needed to hit the, hit the ground like it was some kind of a military event, but, uh, no, it, it's a real, really exciting thing to be there, and uh, I thankfully took a couple of moments in the midst of it all myself to just step back and look around and And just look at the stands. I mean, there's a lot of people there. And and you remember that, of course, growing up, you spent all this time as a kid waiting for the Grey Cup games. Uh, I have a relationship with a a really good old buddy of mine that uh, even as kids in high school, we would watch the game every year. and um, So all of that stuff sort of comes together, and you think, hey, here's little old me here at the game in a uniform getting ready to play. And uh, it's really something special. And and I know in Canada we don't spend a huge amount of energy paying attention to the CFL, maybe not as much as we should. But I, I especially someone who had the opportunity to be a part of it, I think it's such a wonderful thing.
0: Gabe Robinson, Grey Cup champion. We're going to talk a little bit more in depthly about the Blue Bombers who captured their first Grey Cup championship since 1990 uh, with a 33-12 win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats last night. But what was that moment like when you saw the score clock going down and you knew, "Wow, we did it"? Uh, what sort of, uh, what is that moment like? I mean, most of us don't ever get to be on that tier. Here you are, a professional player winning a professional championship. I can't imagine there's much that you know is kind of better than that.
1: It's pretty exciting because, of course, you're, you're, we're, I'm not terribly superstitious, but there's this idea that in the back of your mind, of course, you certainly don't want to jinx it and you certainly don't want to get to, get ahead of yourself. And there's a moment in the fourth quarter, uh, we had just got the ball back and, uh, John Avery had made a, a short run. I think he'd got it. 15-yard run, but he brought up another first down for us, and we just crossed center. And I remember, this is sort of relevant to uh, the conversation about last night's Grey Cup, Mike O'Shea was standing beside me, and he said, that's it, we won the Great Cup. And I went, what? <laughs> uh, I looked at the score, we were off by a couple, but in Mike's mind, and he's such a smart guy, and such a football guy, uh, he understood that the... Um, timing, the amount of time left, uh, the score as it was, the fact that our offense was out there on the field at that point, challenging for uh field goal position, meant that even, worst-case scenario, we've done this. Um, and I remember it was really sort of fun to look over at Mike with his playoff and, and have him just say, that's it, we did it. Literally, he said, that's it, we've won the Great Cup. And, uh, and I thought about that a little bit last night when... Uh, Uh, last night watching the game, of course, because that moment occurred much earlier uh, last night than it did for us back in 2004.
0: Well, that's very true. So when you're watching Mike O'Shea and they're doing the cutaway shots of him on the sidelines, of course, he ends up getting the Gatorade bath. I mean, as somebody who I know you looked up to on the field, somebody who was a captain on that great Argo team that won the Great Cup back in 2004, I mean... That has to be a pretty cool feeling, too, knowing what this guy is, knowing his character, knowing his personality, and knowing that somebody, you know, as a coach, has just achieved such a great accomplishment.
1: I, I mean, it's sort of a funny thing for little of me to say, but I'm I'm really proud of the guy. I was lucky enough to play with both him and his opponent coach, of course, Orlando Sienauer, Um and I was happy for both of those guys to see them there. Um, great guys, first and foremost. Really smart people, uh, really smart football people. Um, and I mean, I'm sure they're doing a great job as coaches. It's obvious the teams they put together, uh, the team culture, they put together both of these guys, my hat's off to both of them. And I, I absolutely, uh, thank the world of both of these guys. Um, Mike's something special, uh, partly cause I was just around him a little bit more. I was in the front. He was a linebacker with me. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we had some laughs. We had some fun evenings. Uh, we dragged the gray cup around Toronto on the, uh, cold afternoon when we did the parade together and, Man, uh, Mike's just such a great guy, and uh, I just had a little feeling in my gut that this might be his day, and uh, it's really fun to see him succeed so so thoroughly, and uh, I'm just thrilled for the guy.
0: Well, I'll tell our audience to pay attention to you because you were somebody when we were doing the preseason chatter, saying you know look out for Winnipeg. You were on the Winnipeg train pretty early. Uh, difficult way to do the playoffs. You have to win two games on the road. Then you have to, you know, go back to Calgary. You have to win in those conditions again against a really good record-setting Tiger Cat team that had won 15 games and was really flying and playing on all cylinders. How early in that game did you think, okay, this looks like it's going to be Winnipeg?
1: Well, as I I said last week, uh, the smart money is probably on Hamilton, but I would really love to see Winnipeg win, and uh, watching the game, it was around the five-minute mark. At this point, uh, Winnipeg had already scored. They'd uh, taken the ball away at least once, and I thought, you know, you just look at the way people are carrying themselves, the energy of the players, and... Winnipeg seems like they've got this game in hand already. And, and I just thought in the back of my mind, you know, not that I'm a gambling guy, but if, if somebody forced me to make a bet right now, I would happily put a bit of money right now on on uh, Winnipeg. I thought right from the start they had the sort of energy and the focus and the clarity, clarity of purpose. Uh, and you could just see that in the body language and the, the energy. And, of course, uh, Harris was running like a madman. And, and most importantly, the, the offensive line was doing incredible stuff. Um, and, you know, I also wondered to myself maybe there's some statistics out there, but how frequently does the Underdog actually succeed in the big game in uh, in Canada. I know when we played in two thousand and four, we were absolutely not favored to win. BC was a powerhouse; um, they had some of the best offensive players in the country. We were a good team, but we'd taken the long road through the playoffs, um, just like you mentioned. Uh, Winnipeg had, and uh, there's some, there's a very different dynamic when you come to the show as a you know I'm really happy to be here. Uh, obviously, we're a good team and we deserve to be here, but you know, nobody, nobody pegged us as the, the winners. Compare that with a team like Hamilton, where by game eight, people were saying this is a team that is on track to make it pretty steadily all the way through the playoffs. Who in the East can compete with them? Didn't look like many, he, in many uh, teams could. Um, and then they, they, of course, went on this incredible home, run, re, home winning record. I think they were 13-3 and three overall. People have been telling Hamilton that they all they have to do now is actually win the game. Uh, so they go into the Grey Cup with all the pressure on them, just like it reminded me, BC coming into the big game in 2004, and everybody thought they were going to blow us away. And we knew that that was certainly a possibility, but we felt like the being underdogs actually took a lot of pressure off of us, and we got to just go out there and run around. And I remember distinctly in the second half on one of the kickoffs, uh, we, I was running out blocking a guy, and I thought to myself, man, these guys have given up somehow already this team has decided that this moment's sort of too big for them, and you know, they've already sort of tripped up and decided to, to give a, roll over. And uh, anyway, all that to say, I wonder how frequently the underdog in these kinds of games comes out on top, partly because, the, as I say, the moment ends up really undermining some of those big, successful teams' ability to do what they're used to doing.
0: I love that snapshot inside the game psychology. Uh, Gabe Robinson, he's a great cup champion. He's with us here on Mercy and crew Winnipeg wins 33-12 to last night against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. A couple of different storylines. We'll get to the defense and the turnovers coming up here, but you Mentioned Andrew Harris, Uh, he takes home, you know, the Outstanding Player Award, runs for 134 yards, averaged, I think, 7.9 per carry. Uh, The offensive line was doing a great job, but interesting with Andrew Harris, because this was a guy that we talked about a little bit earlier in the season, right? Handed a two-game suspension for violating, uh, you know, testing positive for a banned substance. Does this feel like the ultimate redemption story here for Andrew Harris?
1: that's certainly how he's spinning it and he was uh i wouldn't say that he was terribly uh, classy about it all and not that i think he was offside but um you know even in his media post game interview he was saying you know to all those haters this is for you it's like okay i mean you got caught uh whether you meant to take these drugs or not uh i believe him that he did not uh, in which case it was just a bunch of really unfortunate bad luck um the drugs he was taking probably didn't do a lot of good for him anyway so the thing was just a just a bit of a sad thing and it tripped him up when he was on pace to do some really wonderful things when you think about the record book, he, uh, not necessarily the season. The nice thing for him is that when it comes to the season and what you are really playing for, or in my opinion, what you should at least what you should be playing for, which is team success, uh, they certainly came out on top. But, um, so I, I think he took that stuff maybe a little bit too, too much to heart in some ways and could have uh, just not worried about it in the press conferences it, to the degree that he did, but it was absolutely a chip on the shoulder and it was absolutely a motivator for him. Um, he was he had a, something to prove out there and uh you know if you watch some of the highlights some of the big runs that he had i think either one of us jordan could have run the ball for at least half as much as yeah. yardage as he got um that offensive line was moving bodies creating big gaps and another side of that of course is that the play calling was uh was catching the defense for hamilton out of sync a little bit they were lining up trying to protect the pass they would run the ball. They were lining up trying to uh, protect against the run and of course the pass would come out. So being sort of on the back foot that way as a defense is really hard and then when they come downhill with a running play when you're expecting pass which I think was the case in a number of his really successful runs uh, you know you really feel like you're taking a beating as a defense. And uh, anyway not taking anything away from Harris he he had a hell of a game Um, and I was really surprised to see that the two first half touchdowns uh, were both his and including one one, which was a passing touchdown, um, and he caught it just like a running back would, sort of with his knees on the ground already up against the body. It was not a pretty catch, um, but he got it. And, uh, and it's, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time that the uh, award has gone to uh, uh, one player for both the most outstanding Canadian and the game MVP. I believe it was him uh, and this is the first time in history that it's been both a Canadian and the MVP.
0: Yeah, they mentioned that on the broadcast and that's very difficult to believe considering how old the Grey Cup is. So, um, I'll tell you what, that's uh, you know an accomplishment. He's the first Blue Bomber to rush for more than 100 yards in a Grey Cup in 61 years uh, wow. and, and only the second in franchise history but I know you were excited to talk about the defense too. Willie Jefferson, a defensive end, had three of six sacks on Ticats quarterback Dane Evans two fumbles were forced seven turnovers for Hamilton offensively I don't need to be Vince Lombardi to say that you're going to have a difficult time winning a game turning the ball over seven times
1: Oh man, and and some of those turnovers came early as well, and and uh, it's really demoralizing as an offense to feel like every time you're you're starting to get the ball moving, you go for it on third and two or third and one, and you you cough it up uh, a couple of fumbles. Man, one of the things that really stood out for me was the pass rush uh, they were getting with with only frequently three guys, four guys, occasionally fifth guy. Uh, man, they were all over the uh, Hamilton uh, quarterback. And you can see his frustration building in the, in the game, even some of those late, what What you end up doing when you're behind like that is you have to throw patterns that uh, get you further down the field than some of the easier throws. So you can pretty much complete three-yard hitches all day, seven-yard outs, those sorts of uh, easy, not very exciting passes. But when you're behind the eight ball in the third and fourth quarter and, and realizing, you know, if we don't get some points on this drive we're in some real trouble and we're likely to lose. That's when you start to throw some of these downfield balls. Uh, and these downfield balls take a fair bit more time to develop. We're talking tenths of seconds here. Uh, so you're hoping that that deep in is going to develop or this little seam route that where you have a player who attacks downfield and then sort of fades into an open area but in the, in a zone area. Uh, these are the packages, or, pardon me, the passing um, routes that you're trying to throw, and you need to have some time. And for whatever reason man, the Hamilton offensive line just could not contain, could not delay, could not slow down this incredible pass rush. And I mean, if you ask me what are the two things that won the Great Cup this year, I would say it was the uh, the front four, for winnipeg and it was a running game for winnipeg this was the story um and again i wonder again how this attaches to uh feelings of feeling like you know uh hamilton had to win should have won they're the top dogs they've got to do it and then some of these wrinkles come in and man they just played so well i'm really impressed
0: a couple of different times they ended up getting stopped on you know third and short, which is not something you see all the time. As somebody who played on the defensive line, what is your goal there to try and disrupt that play, knowing that you have to line up a yard off the ball?
1: It's a, it's a hard one, and I mean, just as an aside, this is, I think, one of the places where the Canadian game has to do some thinking about um, concussion injuries and so forth. Um, the American game is, is also brutal in its way, especially in the trenches, but um, when you always line up a yard away from your opponent, you're always moving a lot faster when you make contact with one another. And uh, I think this is one of the spots that is actually a little bit unsafe about our game with the, with the one-yard offset. Um, when it comes to short yard stuff, what you know is you're going to get a big surge from the offensive line, particularly the in, inside three center and two guards. And uh, at that point, generally, your interior defensive linemen are just going to try to stop the flow, whether it's just hold them up uh, with, with a big impact or submarine them, fire underneath them, and make them fall. The two main approaches to for offense is to get a couple yards when it's, uh, you know, third and only a few. Uh, generally, you either go right in behind a guard and a tackle, and you'll see the quarterback kind of nestle in there and hope to just ride that surge, or you have this big sort of topple effect where everybody lurches forward, the defense... Pounds into them, and this pile comes up, and then you actually send the quarterback laterally. He goes sideways and tries to get around this pile. So, frequently on defense, as you're trying to submarine the middle of that line, hold up that surge and then have a few players around the edge who are prepared to make those tackles as the quarterback rolls around the edge. Um, so these free men have a lot of work to do as well if the, the ball doesn't go forward. But I mean again, I think if you're on the Hamilton offensive line uh, you're you're feeling kind of bad about how things went today because you got pushed around in the passing game uh, and you really did not do the the m- thing that most offenses, especially in Canadian football, with that yard, as you say, should be able to do, which is to win one or two yards on any given play, and they just couldn't get it done.
0: The Hamilton Tiger Cats they fall 33-12 to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, their first championship since 1990. Gabe, I will get you out of here on this one. What did you make of Keith Urban? Got to hear your take.
1: Uh, I don't have anything juicy to tell you. I don't really <laughs> like that kind of music. Um, I just, you know, it, it's, it's, that's the Calgary thing, you know, this kind of honky tonk yeah. music I could do without it. I get it. I know that's why they picked him for that, that particular fan base or that particular region, that community. I just, I don't have much good to say about that style of music. You know, I'm going to sound like an old guy here. Listen, you know, when his kids listening to rap music, it all sounds the same to me. All country <laughs> music sounds the same to me. And uh, you know, I know there are only so many Canadian acts that we can get up there, but I would love to see some Canadian musician do that job over flying someone in who's from Australia pretending that he's a country guy. It just To me, it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, There's all kinds of great hip-hop artists. There's all kinds of great, even country artists from Canada. Why don't we have one of these people performing at the halftime show?
0: I will say it's just a little bit of a bugaboo, and I thought it was sort of amateurish that they actually had time in the third quarter where they had Keith Urban up in the booth. Yeah. I just I just can't see the NFL like oh Justin Timberlake he's going to join us for a couple series here like you just really didn't need that I didn't think
1: you didn't and I also thought it was uh a little bit sort of um over the top with respect to how Intensely, they were uh... sort of trying to polish his boots. You yeah, know? it wasn't just like here's another celebrity up here who's talking to us about football, even though he knows nothing about it. They're like, "Oh, Keith, you're the greatest. You're yeah. the greatest." And I thought, well, okay, <laughs> you know, just talk to him like a person. I think that would make some sense. But once again, if we'd, you know, Keith Urban is a consummate professional musician and showman, so he did a very fine job of it. But wouldn't it have been a whole lot more fun to see somebody from Tribe Called Red or something up there some kind of band that we have heard of from Canada that would give us an interesting perspective. Um, I just thought that sort of obscene uh, celebrity worship stuff didn't, didn't quite work for me.
0: Yeah. And you didn't even bring Nicole Kidman. Maybe you'd give him a pass if he did that. So
1: I know people think she's very pretty, don't they? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gabe Robinson, great cup champion. Thank you so much for giving us your thoughts on the game and willing to uh, take a stroll down memory lane, sir. Really appreciate it.
1: Real pleasure. Thank you, Jordan.